0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Amateur Hunter Podcast. Welcome back to The Amateur Hunter. I apologize, it's been a little bit longer than it should have been, but you know how it goes. Back to back hunts followed up by a long list of things I needed to get done that I've been ignoring for the last few months getting ready for this hunt. So, I do apologize that it's taken this long to get the uh, episode out, but. I promise these next few episodes are going to be uh, some pretty good ones involving the last few weeks of my hunting life. So, anyway, um, this week we're going to go into my archery hunt, my archery mule deer hunt. So we're going to discuss that. That was uh, the first weekend of September, so almost a month ago now that it's been. I can't believe it's actually been that long. But, uh, so let's go ahead and get into the season opener so i know we're gonna get into the season opener here and my first meal hunt of the year my whole my first hunt of the year really um outside of turkey but i mean as far as fall hunts go first hunt of the year the season opener but before we get into that i made a discovery today that i uh I want to share with all of my fellow Coloradans so that you can realize that we're kind of the top of the line here. I was watching my sh- one of my shows and they were talking about how you know, they were in Colorado doing, a, I think, an elk hunt. I think it was a muzzleloader elk hunt. And how it was hard. And, and you know the, the elevation was getting to them. It. it was hard to breathe. And it was just a tough hunt for them. And these are guys who I see hunt all these different areas, and I I always kind of feel self-conscious about myself because these guys seem to be able to just bust through everything, put however many miles every day on their boots, and just keep going. And I just kind of always feel like I'm working towards that. Well, then come to find out these guys come to Colorado, and they're struggling. So I did the research, and... In the United States, Colorado has the highest average elevation of all states, uh, Alaska and Hawaii included, obviously. So for those of you who consistently hunt in Colorado, who live in Colorado, who work out in Colorado and, and do this year after year, we are the top of the line. We are the hardcore ones. So even if you are eating tag soup come December, Understand that you're still one of the good ones, all right? So at least we have that going for us. I guess that'll help me sleep at night. Maybe it'll help you sleep at night. Anyway, let's get to what this show is actually about, and that is hunting, and that is what has been happening since the first weekend of September. And let me tell you, it has been an exciting first month of the season uh, to the point where I'm really kind of... Fancy not having another tag to burn right now. But anyway, uh, let's get into my first hunt of the season. And uh, it it was definitely a doozy. So, you know, this podcast has been going on for a little bit now. Uh, I really don't remember when exactly. I started it maybe July-ish, June-ish. I I don't know. Um, As you know by now, dates don't exist in my head they just come in and out they're gone but anyway it's been going on for a while and we've talked many many times about the prep work that I've been putting in the planning that I've been putting in you know uh, as far as getting my physical fitness you know better getting my mental game get down planning out all of these hunts and how I'm going to do them, what I'm going to do getting my gear ready just every little detail that I've been planning out for these hunts Um, and I would always say that it's a, a good thing to do that. But I also came to realize uh, that, you know, whatever that uh, that quote is about the best laid plans, well, that really hit me this year. But anyway, so, you know, I am, it's, uh, I want to say it's like Thursday. So I have my hunt plan. I, I got the time off of work. Um, basically, I was going to work a half a day Friday head straight up into the mountains hunt Friday evening camp out and hunt all day Saturday all day Sunday all day Monday come home well so Thursday comes around and I'm at work have a little downtime and I'm talking to my buddy and I'm I had I had planned this hunt out for the last few months it was uh, one of the Last tags that I decided to get, but it still was several months out. So I had been planning this hunt for a while, and it was in a unit close to the house, not you know, not far from where I live. Uh, but there's a wilderness area on the western end of this unit. So the plan was: I'm going to drive to this wilderness area, park the truck, hike in, and I'm going to spend four days in this wilderness area. Cool. I. Uh, Pull up the the wilderness or this uh, yeah it's the wilderness a wilderness map um, for this area. So this particular wilderness area requires a camping permit. Now this is one thing you always 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 need to do when you're planning your hunt. You need to figure out all the regulations because BLM land has certain regulations. Wilderness areas will have the strictest regulations of everything. Um, you got national forest. Not to mention we're dealing with forest fires right now all over the state, and that's causing a lot of shutdowns. It's causing just a lot of havoc, really. So this is a really, really huge part of what you do. You need to make sure that you plan for every step of what this hunting is going to require because the last thing you want to do is to be 100% ready to go and and just you know all hyped up, get out there and figure out that whatever you planned can't do it because you forgot a step or you forgot to get this permit or that permit and and, you know game warden stand there saying hey sorry about your luck go home so definitely put in the time to research it if you are confused or questioning anything call your local office i mean this is not just colorado this is every state every state has a local uh, wildlife office whatever you call it you know here it's cpw um, in Illinois, it's Illinois DNR. Uh, Florida is—I uh, don't even remember. Um, either way, just figure out who it is that you can call and get that information so that you are prepared. So anyway, part of this was getting my permit to backpack in and camp for four day or uh, three days in this wilderness area. Went and scouted it. I wasn't overly impressed with the area that I scouted, so I kind of shifted my plans to head a little bit further north, but still stay in the wilderness area. Well, Thursday comes around. I got a little downtime. Of course, I can never just not overanalyze everything. So I'm sitting there thinking, and I'm and I'm feeling kind of different about my plans. I'm, I'm starting to feel like maybe I I don't like what I'm doing. So, go to my buddy's office, and I say, "Hey, I'm um, starting to kind of doubt my plans. This is, you know, kind of what I'm thinking." And here was my thought: I pulled out my maps, looked on my Onyx, and I said, "I have this idea." Now I've gone back and forth about talking about this um, because. <laughs> You know, it's kind of one of those things. You don't want to give up the trade secrets. Like, I want to be informative, but I don't want to, you know, give up my secrets because I still am a hunter who wants to harvest animals. So, um, but the, the whole spirit of this show is to give people the best opportunity to be successful and, and to bridge that gap between you know those the people like me for the last seven years who have been putting in the effort with no success um and really nowhere else to go so in the spirit of that um what my plan was what i was thinking is that i pulled out the onyx and i was looking and i said you know what instead of looking at this gigantic piece of wilderness why don't I look at these tiny chunks of, like, National Forest or BLM, just these little square chunks of land that might only be two or 300 acres, um, or, you know, sometimes bigger than that, but just little chunks that have a lot of private land around them. And it just in my head, I was like, one, I think it possibly will have a lower population density of animals, but I also think it's going to have a much lower density of hunters. Because I just don't think a lot of people look at that and say, oh yeah, that's where I want to hunt. Because it's just a little piece of ground. But the thought for me was it goes back to my my roots in the Midwest. And, and that's kind of how everybody hunts. Everybody has their own little chunk of land. You know, I never hunted public ground in Illinois. I was either hunting uh, my dad's land, my uncle's land. Um, my brother-in-law's family's land or property that my brother-in-law had gotten permission for us to hunt Um, I I just I couldn't tell you a single time that I hunted you know, uh, public land and that kind of attitude is kind of where I looked at that it's just like if I can get just a little piece of ground where not a lot of people are, that could be a haven for these animals so Going against what I have preached in the past of get your plans set, be ready to go well in advance, I decide in less than 24 hours before I leave on my hunt that I'm changing everything about it and I'm going to a completely different location that I have not scouted, seen, or even heard about before pulling it up on my map. However, I will say Onyx, Google Earth... Google Maps, all of these new systems, I mean, they're newer, you know, make it so much easier to make these decisions. Uh, To be honest, if I was looking on a paper map and just pointed at it, I wouldn't really have a whole lot of confidence. But with all this new technology, I can get a really good understanding of what this area is going to look to me and, and, and provide for me before even stepping foot on it and uh, so just I mean it took maybe maybe an hour of research to be like okay you know this is the plan I'm coming in through this road I'm gonna hike up into here blah, blah 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 and have my hunt ready to go so that's what I did I decided this seems to me to to be the best decision to give me the best chance of possibly getting an animal so that was the plan so go home Get my gear packed up, get everything ready to go, and Friday comes around. Friday, I load the truck up, get my bow loaded up, get my gear loaded up. My pack is already packed up. It has all of my gear in it, sleeping gear, everything, and I'm ready to rock and roll. Go to work, slowest day of my life. I mean, I only had to be there for four hours, but it took forever for that four hours to finally get there. Um... So it's noon, work till noon, I get off, I don't even really say bye to anybody, I just change into my hunting gear, jump in the truck, and I'm gone. So I drive, it's really not far from where I live, um, we're talking like less than an hour and a half to get there, um, but it's still up, it's up in the mountains, I mean, I'm we're in the foothills, right by the foothills, so an hour in, you're pretty well in the mountains. Um, but I get there and it's not, th- it's not that, uh, aggressive of an area. Um, if I, from where I was, I, the road that I was on was basically split the unit, not the unit, but split that little parcel of ground in half. Um, to the South, it was pretty, it was, it was pretty hard. I, I wouldn't call it like horrible, like, you know, impassable, but it was pretty thick, um, and there was quite a bit of elevation change throughout, you know. Um, The first snag I hit was that the road that I thought I was going to take in, I thought I could drive all the way through, like, basically, it split the unit in half from east to west, and I could just drive from one side to the other. Um, That was not the case. There was a gate right at, actually, the gate was on private property, so this road, you know, was, um, it's It was National Forest, um, but it was basically a thoroughfare. You couldn't get off of the road um, until, I, I don't know, it was maybe like an eighth of a mile, a quarter of a mile. It wasn't very far. But while hiking in, like the road was it. If you went to, you know, the north or south, um, you were going to be on somebody's property. So you just basically had to hike through. You, you know, obviously there's a sign that it says, you know, entering National Park or, or National Forest, I mean. Um, and then you can go wherever you want to. Which is another reason why Onyx is so valuable, because you can pretty well pinpoint exactly where you're at and when you cross that line. Um, but that was my first snag. Okay, uh, you know, the driving isn't going to happen. It's going to be more on my feet. Yeah, whatever. I've been working towards that. Uh, the second snag was um, there was a couple of cars at the trailhead. It was more than I expected, I and I shouldn't have. That was on me. Um, You should not ever expect to hunt in Colorado by yourself. That's just how it is. Um, a lot of animals, a lot of hunters. I think Colorado has to be probably one of the top hunting destinations for people. So... I was a little disappointed in that, but also I wasn't hugely disappointed because, again, there's only two cars. I've been on trailheads where you couldn't find a parking spot, and everybody's wearing camo, and you just kind of realize getting out of the truck, like, this is probably not going to work out. But either way, um, two cars. One guy was still in his truck. The other one was empty. So I kind of wait to, you know, I, I wasn't trying to be rude, but I just kind of wanted to see what this guy's, plan was I didn't know if he was coming out he was done for the day or if he was you know just taking a break and getting ready to head back in Uh, come to find out he's getting ready to head back in and again I don't do this to be rude I just want to kind of see I want to feel these guys out because this is going to be part of my hunt you know dealing with other hunters are they are these the kind of hunters that are just blowing through everything and if I just kind of stay a little bit distance from them they're going to push every animal in the forest to me or you know are they you know good hunters um, so, you know, he gets his gear, gets ready to go, I throw my pack on, get all my gear ready to go, and uh we start heading out. Um, so I'm following behind him for, you know, however long it is, maybe half mile or whatever, we you know, we crossed into the national forest and we're walking the trail, and then I see him split off to the south. Um he seems like he's kind of got his head on straight and then kind of knows what he's doing and looked like he had a plan as to what he wanted to do i did not want to be the guy who destroyed that plan of his so i figured i'm going to keep pushing to the east and then i'll just cut up north and i'll hunt the north side you know and let him do his whole thing down there so that's what i do Um, and a lot of this is just getting to know the area knowing where does this trail go what kind of game trails are coming off of this? Is there any fresh sign anywhere? You know, so I'm, I am a very slow hunter. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I am slow in general when it comes to this stuff because I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm not uh, in tippy top shape. Like it's just the way it is. I've come a long, long way from where I was, but I'm not the guy who's going to throw a pack on and walk. You know, uh, five miles an hour, six miles an hour. Ain't gonna happen. But uh, so, but I take my time and I kind of zigzag. I'll cut up a ways, you know. Maybe I'll I'll walk 200 yards to the north and then I'll walk 50 yards east and then I'll cut back down south and then I'll you know I just kind of do. I will put a lot of miles in a very small area. Um, if you could see a picture of my onyx with my tracking, I mean I didn't cover a ton of area as far as miles, but uh, I was doing five six miles a day. Um, just because of the amount of back and forth I would do, because I'm looking for anything, any kind of sign, you know, uh, game trails for rubs, for um, scat tracks, bedding, you know, anything like that. But anyway, so that's what I'm doing, going through all that. At the same time, I'm getting to to know this unit. And there's one thing that I'm finding out about this unit that's starting to kind of go off in my head. There is not a drop of water anywhere. Now, this is a problem on two levels. Uh, The first level being the quarry that I am hunting requires water for survival. So if you are in an area with absolutely no water, you probably are going to have a pretty low density of animals in that area. The second one being myself requires water to survive. And I'm looking at a four-day hunt, and I've walked in with four liters of water three or four liters of water um which for me on a hot day and understand that too we're in the 90s uh the highs in in, during the day is mid 90s and i'm wearing you know i i wasn't like fully kitted out but i'm wearing my pants i have a a merino wool t-shirt on you know my hat and then at with a full pack i was at uh Wanna say I said fifty five pounds, fifty, fifty-five pounds, something like that, with, you know, all my water, food and sleeping gear and all of that. So I'm sweating and I'm sucking down water pretty quick. So that starts kinda of eating away at my mind. And uh so that kinda of becomes my priority. I go and I'm still hunting, but I'm looking for water. I'm trying to find a water source everything on my map is showing me all these dry creek beds I'm looking at all these dry creek beds there's not a drop of water anywhere the closest water source that I would be able to find would be on the far south end of this plot of land basically on the border I think that the the creek that ran on the south side of this uh, little plot was the border you know on the other side of that would have been private land But there's also, I want to say, two ridges I would have to climb up and down to get to that side. And it just, for me, wasn't in the playing cards. Um, I just, it just wasn't going to work for me. So, I made the decision at that point that this was no longer a four-day hunt. Um, Not that I wasn't going to hunt the four days, but I was not going to sleep out there. Say what you will. You can, you know, call me Nancy, say that there was a hundred different things I could have done, and I know that there was, but I'll tell you, the, the, to be completely honest, um, I was a little over an hour from home. Sometimes when the highways here are backed up, it'll take me an hour to get home from work. So driving an hour to and from where I'm hunting, not a big deal to me at all. Um, also... I'm going to be real. I love camping. I love sleeping outside and love staring up at the stars. I, I do. I truly, truly enjoy that. But if you tell me that tonight I have one of two options to either sleep on an air mattress uh, or a sleeping pad, not an air mattress, but just like a, a blow-up sleeping pad or my mattress next to my wife, I'm just going to go ahead and take my mattress next to my wife. It is what it is. Anyway, so that I, I make that decision. I'm going home tonight. Um, I hadn't fully made the decision that the the entire trip was off as far as like maybe I come back with a different plan on, on Saturday and, and camp the next couple nights. I just knew that that night I was going home. I need to regroup and try to figure things out. So I continue hunting. Get up on this little rock face on the north side. And uh, so the, the trail kind of runs through a valley. There's ridges on both sides, on the north side and the south side. I'm hunting the north side. I start kind of walking up this ridge. There's a good rock face. I sit up on it, and I can kind of look back down towards the trail a bit and up on this ridge. So that's what I start doing. Um, and I take some pictures and whatnot. And then I start looking up to the north towards this ridge. Well, as I'm doing so, I hear hooves behind me. Just kind of thumping away from me. Never saw it. Couldn't even 100% tell you that it was a mule deer. It just kind of sounded like one to me. I just made the assumption I got busted. But never saw it. So couldn't really confirm or deny. It just is. But a little disappointed, but also kind of excited because I'm like, okay, there's at least one animal here that's that's a positive thing right but that's all the events for that night so I hike back down to the trail you know head towards the truck as I'm going towards the truck uh, the guy that I walked in with earlier he's coming back out too so we walk back get to his truck and and then we kind of start chit-chatting then Um, and he lets me know that um, the prior day he had shot a doe she got pushed by a, a woman walking her dog. He lost the blood trail and lost her, you know. And it is what it is. I, I've had that happen in the past, so I'm not going to judge somebody. I I will try to, you know, give everybody the benefit of the doubt. I will assume he put in every effort that he could have to find this animal before finally giving up and walking away from it. Um, but regardless, and then he tells me that... This morning, that Friday, he had walked in, I think, on five or seven, a couple of bucks and, and some does. He said the doe busted him and, and took the rest of them with her. So it was, for me, really kind of a positive you know, thing because, again, I'm thinking with this lack of water, the, there might not be really any animals here. And for him to, to, you know, at least as far as, you know... Again, I'm not going to assume he's just a liar. So, based on his word, there's some animals here. So, that makes me feel pretty good. Um, and he lets me know that the other guy that... You know, the other car that's parked There's another guy who walked all the way to the other edge of the unit. And, uh, you know, was going to just basically spend the entire day there. And and come back after dark. So, um, you know, so we chit-chat a little bit more, and then he lets me know, you know, that he'd been there, I think, for a good chunk of the week. Um, he was going to hunt Saturday morning and go home Saturday evening, but he said he didn't sleep very well at all, so he might just go home tonight. And so that boosts me up another, you know, I'm like, okay, well, you know, not that I don't enjoy having other hunters, but having somebody, you know, say that they're going to go ahead and pull out and, and take a little bit of that pressure. Awesome, more room for me. So I go home that night, sleep in my bed, wake up the next morning. I think uh, I think I'm up at like four out the door by 430 which puts me in the woods by 5:30. Sunrise I think shooting light is right around six-ish um, with sunrise right around 6:30. So you know I'm all set and ready to go. Um, I, I take all the water with me that I can, which is another four liters. But I go ahead and decide to leave my sleeping gear in the truck. I figure if I decide I want to stay the night, I can go back to the truck, grab my stuff. Otherwise, I want to have my pack a lot lighter so I can just kind of be moving. So, get to the trailhead, find out. You know, I'm I'm the only truck there, so I'm like, okay, I guess this. You know, both these guys decided not to come out. So I kind of got the place to myself. So I'm gonna kind of do what I want to do. So I I hike in. I I hike pretty a little bit further than I did. Uh, a little bit further east than I did the day prior. There's another old trail, old jeep trail that heads up this ridge to the south. So I start I start walking that and take it all the way up, uh, basically to the top. Um, maybe you know several hundred feet of elevation gain. Find a really nice valley uh, with another peak um, that goes up another couple hundred feet. So I, I hike up about halfway up that peak and the intent is uh, basically I'm gonna hike about halfway up and then I'm going to side hill it all the way around this valley. I'll stop you know whatever every hundred yards or so, sit down, glass that valley, see if I find anything, if, if I don't see anything, then I'm going to walk like another, you know, 100 yards or whatever, plop down, glass that new area, and, and just side hill this entire peak all the way around that valley. So I start doing that, um, I'm liking the area that I'm seeing, I feel like outside of a really good water source, this has a lot of everything else, some, some good browse, some good bedding areas, good shelter good good place to bed so i just have you know this this thought that okay i think things might be looking up well uh the guy that i had seen the night prior i guess decided he did want to hunt the morning he just was going to get a later start and he had the same idea that i had however his idea was to do it from the valley so he decides to walk the entire valley while i am glassing the entire valley so it kind of just blows my entire plan out because he's going to bust anything out of there way on, i mean i'm i'm 500 yards from the valley so he if he blows anything out of there i'm not going to be able to really do anything about it so i change my plans i drop down into the valley i head north into this uh, this little opening that I had found, like it was like a maybe an old burn, or maybe an old logging area. I couldn't, you know, don't know for sure, but uh, it was kind of opened up. So I walk up in there and wind up catching a, gra- a game trail. Uh, so I start just walking that game trail. I'm not seeing a ton of, of new sign, uh, but the trail looks like it's it's consistently used. So I just keep walking and it kind of takes me north. Well. You know, heading north, I have to go back down into that valley towards the trail. So, I keep following the game trail. It's a pretty good game trail. So, there's not a whole lot of bushwhacking going on. I, I can kind of just walk along with it without much problem. Until I get about halfway down towards the trail. I'm still probably... 3 uh, Let's just say three to 400 vertical feet from the trail... Which would take probably an eighth or yeah, I'd say a quarter of a mile, quarter to half a mile to get actually to the trail, and and I just lose that game trail. It, it just kind of turns into a jungle. There is no real openings. I don't I don't see anything. It was just it just kind of boom stop right there so i have the choice and i'm like i can turn back walk this game trail back up to the top go back around and take the trail all the way down or i can bushwhack through all of this down to the trail well by this point it's getting one it's getting really hot um the high on that day on saturday was mid-90s 95 degrees 96 degrees something like that so it's starting to get hot my water's starting to get kind of drained. Um, I think I'd already I, normally what I'll do is I'll carry two Nalgene bottles, and I have a, a platypus with that carries another two liters in it, I believe. Um, and I believe I'd already killed both of my Nalgenes, and I'm on to my platypus. So I just say, you know what? I just want to get down to the bottom. I want to get to this trail, get a little more hunting in before I decide what I'm going to do because by that point I'm going to be out of water and i start bushwhacking and it is thick i mean i i'm at several points i had to crawl in my belly to get through some of this stuff and mind you i have a bow which if you know anybody that's ever used a bow you know there's a lot of junk sticking out on a bow you've got a stabilizer you've got a sight you've got an arrow rest you've got you know the bow itself which has all of its you know junk on it and you know i have a bow sling which uh, i will absolutely tell you is a godsend um so it covers up the cams and the strings and all of that and then has a you know a a sling on it so that i can just put it over my shoulder and and walk with it but even still there's junk to get caught on everything but i keep plowing through and plowing through and just i mean it is a, a a full mess it 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 reminded me of Florida. I mean, sometimes in Florida, I would walk into things that was just a wall. There was no turning back from it. Like, or I mean, I'm sorry, not getting through it. You had to turn back and find another way around. And and I was almost to that point with this stuff. But once you start pushwhacking, you're kind of stuck no matter what. You can either force your way back up or just keep pushing down. So I just kept pushing down. I knew that if there was anything within a quarter mile of me, it was gone because I was just plowing through this stuff. But I finally get through it, you know, cuts, bruises, and and just everything. It was stupid. But I get through, and I get down to the main trail. So I evaluate my water situation. By this point, it's probably noonish, 1 o'clock. And I'm like, okay, I've got enough water probably for a few more hours if I take it easy. Um, you know, if I keep bushwhacking like I was, I don't have another hour in me. But if I, you know, my thought was on the north side of this trail, it was more sage. It was, it wasn't really thick trees, thick pines or anything like that. It was all sage. So I thought, okay, I'll I'll go to the north side, find a good vantage point, and I'll and I'll just glass this north ridge for the afternoon. So I walk down further east, I look on my map, I see that there's a, an old Jeep trail, it's closed, but it's still a trail, uh, close to vehicles, but it's still a good trail for, for walking. So I get that, cut up north using that trail, and get a, a really good vantage point of, the, um, of that north ridge. I can see pretty, I, I mean, I can see... F- from where I'm at all the way to the to top of that ridge and then all the way west um you know forever so I set up find some shade you know eat my lunch um get my my hydration recovery powder stuff and uh, just relax and and kind of take a little bit of a nap and then um do a little bit of glassing uh by this point I haven't seen, heard, or or anything, any kind of animals. And I start to get this idea of where I'm at is just not going to work. The sun is blazing. There is really not a whole lot of shade. Why would an animal even want to be on this side of the hill? It is a south-facing ridge while there's a north-facing ridge with nothing but cover in it. There's no reason why an animal would ever be in this crap. And then the negativity starts setting in. And I just start questioning everything. Um, you know, I started hunting pretty consistently after I got out of the Army. Uh, I mean, I, I have hunted, you know, my entire life. But while I was in the Army, I, you know, I deployed almost every other year. When I wasn't deployed, I was kind of getting ready to deploy I can give you a hundred different excuses, but it just wasn't a consistent thing. So basically for the first eight years of my adult life, I wasn't really hunting. I did a little bit here and there, but nothing that I would like say, you know, oh, I I put a ton of effort into it. It wasn't anything like that. But when I got out, that was one thing I wanted. I I missed it. I wanted to get back into hunting, so that's what I did. And I had been unsuccessful. When I say unsuccessful, I mean I have not harvested a big game animal. In the seven years that I have been hunting since I got out of the military, I got out of the military November 2012. I started hunting in 2013, and it's now 2020. In all of those years, I had taken shots at animals. I had seen animals. I had not harvested any big game. I, you know, squirrels, rabbits, things like that. Yes, but nothing big game. So, all of this starts playing into my head. I am frustrated. I am starting to think really truly not not in a joking way. I'm really starting to think should I actually be doing this? Like how much failure do you go through before you decide this is probably not something you should do? Why don't you attempt something that you could possibly have some success at? Yeah, I really want to be a hunter. I I Love it! I love the outdoors. I love the whole sport. I love everything about it, but obviously it doesn't love me, and so maybe it's time to start looking at different things to do. Well, so I've already got my mind full of negative thoughts. I grab my bow. I am just kind of looking at something. I don't know what how it caught my eye, but I look at my arrow rest. And I have a, a fall-away arrow rest, which if you're not familiar with, it's basically like a, a mechanical fork. So this is a little fork that holds your arrow, and it, when you draw the, the, the bow, the fork comes up and supports the arrow. When you release the string, the fork falls, and so the arrow flies without any kind of resistance, pressure, or anything like that forcing it to do anything it it shouldn't it just gets pushed by the string and it's supposed to you know increase a little bit of speed and a little bit of accuracy overall i love them but i look at the it's called the launcher which is the fork that actually holds the arrow and i had snapped pretty much pretty much snapped it in half Um, i i can only assume that i did it while pushing all the way down the hill through all of that junk and got it caught on something and just snapped it so at that point i'm like okay obviously this is a sign i'm done i'm not even going to attempt to take a shot on an animal if i do see one where the one piece holding my arrow is broken um that's just asking for a disaster so at that point i give myself permission to leave um and so I pack up my gear. It's not even dark yet, but again. And, and yes, I already had the negative thoughts going in my head, but I'll I'll be completely honest. Even if I was 100% into it, I still would have left because, again, I'm not going to tr- put an unethical shot on, somebody, in, on an animal. So I had to leave anyway because I had to try to figure out how to fix this thing because fixing it in the field, I just I wasn't going to be able to do it. So I get everything loaded up, head back to the truck. I get home that evening, I, and I, you know, I'm talking to my wife, and I just kind of tell her everything, and, and that I, I don't even know what to do. That I'm just, I, I know it's the season opener, but like I have been putting the effort into this, and I'm not seeing any results. And I'm just really getting frustrated and really down on myself but so I just right then and there I call around Um, either it's too late and these all these shops in the area are shut down or they're just not open on Saturdays regardless I have nobody in the area that can get me the launcher that I need so at that point I say "I'm, I'm done for now I am not going to hunt Sunday Um, It had already been something contemplating my mind um, because I do, I play the drums at my church. So there was guilt about me missing church because, um, you know, I feel a responsibility to be there and also I enjoy going. So there I just said, okay, you know what? Uh, It's late. I just kind of want to eat. I want to go to sleep. We'll get up in the morning. I'm going to go to church. I'll spend the afternoon trying to figure out this bow situation. And we'll go from there. So that's what I did. Um, went to church, got home, and started kind of turning my attitude around a little bit. Um, looked at the bow, and I was like, okay, I've got two choices. I can either pull this um, arrow rest off, put one of my old ones on, and I think I had a whisker biscuit sitting around or something, and then spend some time reciting this bow in. Um or I can try basically the, the the forky part of the launcher is what broke so was like I can break the other side and basically if you've ever seen like target shooters they have the same kind of thing it's a follow rest but it's a very little contact point there's no forks that come up around the arrow It's just a very small piece that holds the arrow up which allows for again better accuracy however if you move even a little bit, the arrow will just fall off, but I was like, if I break that other half off, maybe it'll balance out the launcher, so that it won't go all wonky when it when it falls away, or, you know, and, and then maybe it'll actually shoot just okay, so I decided to try that first, because the biggest thing was that at my house, I can get 20 yards in the backyard, so if I, I can sight my bow in at 20 yards, but nothing else. I will I will basically be 20 yards or nothing. So I was like, if I can get this follow-way to work, then I won't have to change anything about my sighting in. I can just do what I got to do with it. So that's the route I went. Um, and luckily it worked. I cut the other half off, kind of sanded everything down and smoothed it out. And it didn't change a single thing about the impact uh, of my arrow um, at 20. Which, you know, to me, told me that the rest of my pins were going to be okay. So I was like, alright. So at that point, I kind of changed my attitude around. My bow was good to go again. So really, I had no excuses why I could not hunt Monday. And I. so I said, you know what, I'm just going to go hunt. I've got one more day I can do this. I've been planning all year, prepping all year to do this. I've already had to change my plans like 14 different times. I'm at least going to finish this hunt out. So that's what I decided to do. So I pull the map back out. And I'm like, I'm going to change where I'm at. I need a change of scenery. So... I've already hunted this area, you know, halfway through this this little plot. I, I'm not going to hunt the south side. I'm, I found another trailhead on the very far north edge of this property. I mean, not this property, but of, of this national forest, you know, chunk. So I said, okay, that's where I'm going in the morning. I'm going to get up, same like I do, give myself about 40 minutes to hike in before sunlight. Um, and I'm just gonna see what this produces for me so um so that's what I do. I get up the next morning, drive into this trailhead there's a couple of cars at the trailhead, but they're they're cars um they're like you know little uh Volkswagens or something, so I think maybe it's just guys you know hardcore hikers that are just getting out really early to get a lot of miles in before it gets hot because again it's gonna get in the nineties. So I'm like, okay, feeling pretty good about this. Grab my gear, uh, grab my pack, and I get going. Truck drives by, um, goes down the trail, which was a little disheartening for two reasons. Uh, One being that, you know, I assumed he was another hunter, and two, I didn't know that I could drive that trail. Um, So I'm about to walk two miles that I could have driven, but I'd already had my pack, my bow is locked you know is already hung on my shoulder my truck's locked up i'm i just need to get out there um so i wind up finding this little trail that kind of goes off the main trail to the north a little bit and then starts cutting west so i take that trail because obviously i know that truck's going to wind up somewhere on this main trail so i'm going to i'm going to hunt a different area for the morning you know the early morning at least and see what happens So I'm hiking this little trail, and it winds up being a creek bed. Uh, It's walking right next to a creek bed. So I'm, you know, looking um, with my headlamp and all that. don't really see any water, Uh, but then I get probably a mile or so in, and I see water. It's not flowing water. It's not a ton of water, but it's a water source, um, which gives me high, high hopes because I'm like, okay, this is an area without a lot of water. Here is a good water source. This has got to be a good place for animals. So I cross and I go back east a little bit up this hill. I'm I'm seeing good sign. I'm seeing some tracks, some what I consider to be no older than a couple of days um, of some of some deer scat. So uh, sunrise is coming, and for me sunrise is what determines where i'm going to stop i might have a goal to hit this you know this ridge that's a half a mile away well if i only make it a quarter of a mile and the sun starts coming up i'm going to plop my butt down at wherever i'm at so that i can get to glass and because i don't want to just walk past everything at that magic hour when the sun just starts coming up when that first shooting light is just coming up so that's what i do i find this this little rock face um to the to the west of this water source, there's a good little vantage. I can kind of see probably you know I don't know 250 degrees around me. Um, I walk past this pack, this like waterproof pack with a bunch of beer cans in it. So I'm like, you know, I thought a bunch of kids were out partying at some point, just left their trash. So I marked it, and I was like, you know, when I'm done for the day, um, I'll come back here, grab that bag, and haul it out. And uh, so I plop down, get the tripod out, get binos set up. And, you know, I'm kind of set and and just glassing as the sun comes up. And uh, I don't really see anything at all. Um, Sit there for probably an hour and a half or so until probably 7.30ish, whatever time it is. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to move. I kind of want to get back on the main trailhead and, and head south a little bit. Um, My goal for the day, that north ridge that I had been glassing the prior days, I wanted to actually get on that ridge and I had access to the top of that ridge from where I came in um, from the north side that day. So I said I want to get to that north ridge and walk that ridge all the way down to the edge. That was the goal. So I pick up my gear, you know, put the tripod away, get everything packed back up, throw my pack on. And turn around to realize the reason I saw a bag with a bunch of beer cans in it was because about 20 yards behind me was somebody's campsite that I just apparently did not see while walking in. So, felt really kind of dumb that I'm sitting there glassing and, and being all intense with my hunting while, you know, some dude's passed out drunk behind me in his tent. But it, regardless, I, you know, quietly walked my way out so I, he could get his, you know, little rest in. And I I, I hike back, uh, you know, west, back towards the, the trailhead. Well, I come down this little ridge, and my Onyx is just, I, I say my Onyx, it could have been my phone. I don't know. Something was not working. It's showing me that there's a main, like, trail, like a drivable trail, directly in front of me, and I'm looking at nothing. I'm just looking at trees. So I kind of walk down this little hill and into this little opening. And I walk into this opening and I see a fence. And I'm I'm quite sure that I'm at least another quarter of a mile away from the main trailhead. And I see a fence. First thing that pops into my head private property and my onyx is not showing that i'm even close to private property so i'm starting to i don't want to go any further because the last thing i want to do is have some landowner calling the game warden on me and, and saying that i'm hunting their property so i just stop pull out the map i'm trying to get it to to reset and, and figure out where i'm at it just doesn't look right to me. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to look at my map and start walking and see where it's tracking me, see how you know where it's telling me that I'm going. So that's what I start doing. I probably walk 20 yards, and I look up, and 50 yards away from me is a doe just staring right at me. So my heart sinks initially because I realize well you know she obviously got the best of me i'm sitting here staring at my stupid map trying to figure out where i'm at and this deer is just watching me but i shoved the phone in my pocket and step to the side Uh, luckily i was right by a tree so i stepped to the side real quick and i uh you know kind of gather myself get my bow out of the sling And I kind of peeked back around the corner because I didn't get a good look at her. I just looked up, saw her staring at me, and I stepped to the side because I didn't want her to bust me. I was 95% certain it was a doe mule deer, but I also don't want to be the guy who's calling game warden and saying, I just shot a moose that I thought was a deer. So I just take a quick peek, confirm, yep, okay, mule deer, awesome. So I get the bow. I pull an arrow out of my quiver knock it and then I just start to creep out to, to kind of range her to see exactly where she's at and she busts me she's gone so at that point I probably hit one of the lowest points of my hunting career I realize how hard I've been working to find nothing and then All of a sudden, an opportunity presents itself, and I completely blow it. And again, I'm seven years into this, so I'm thinking, that was my one shot. That was it. That was my one opportunity to change my course and get myself back on track. And because I'm sitting here looking at this stupid map, I'm not even hunting. I'm just walking, and I and I bumble my way right into this stupid deer. Well, she's not the stupid one. She's obviously smarter than me. So, I'm just kind of just beyond frustrated at this point. But I'm there, so I just keep going. So, I I walk up to where she was. I'm trying to find her tracks to see if I can, you know, I know that a lot of times deer will bust you and but they'll only go 30 to 50 yards, and then they'll turn and see, you know, basically, are you coming after them, Are you, you know, what? What? what's the deal, a little bit more curiosity out of them, so I go up to where I think she was, and I'm trying to find a track for her to see if I can get her, you know, find her held up there somewhere, and I can't really find anything, um, I see her, her tracks when she jumped and took off, but then I, I just can't really track her any more beyond that and then about two minutes into trying to track her come to realize that I'm I'm where she was standing is basically right on the trail that I had walked in on so I was right by the trail which is why I saw that sign I mean not the sign but the fence and I hear a family coming um you know it's daylight it's early morning people are coming out now to do some hiking so I hear them so I'm like okay you know at this point one, if I do see her, I'm not going to shoot this deer in front of a bunch of kids who I have no idea they you know, what their lifestyle is, uh, and and that's the worst way to introduce yourself as a hunter is to, you know, watch an animal bleed out in front of a five-year-old. So I just decide, okay, she's gone. This area is busted. I need to move on. So I walk the trail out, get back onto the main trail where I'd seen that truck drive before. Decide. I'm just gonna walk because I don't. I don't like passing up opportunities um, by driving by them. You know. I know I have my goal of getting to that ridge, but you know, if I happen to walk by a good area, I want to have the opportunity to just go into it. So I just start walking the trail, and it's it's a winding trail. It winds up heading south though, which is where I need to go to get to that ridge. So I'm walking it don't really see much of anything that I'm all that interested in um, but then I get to that trailhead, and I'm like, okay this is you know this is where I want to go this is this will take me all the way up that ridge and I can walk that ridge all the way west basically until the the national forest ends. Well, two trucks are parked there, so I'm like, crap um." I don't want to go in these guys might be on something they might you know have a deer and I'm not gonna be the guy that busts through there and screws up their hunt they beat me to it I need to figure out something else so I just keep taking the trail down the trail goes south and I mean I have to say I was only maybe three four hundred yards from the trail that that walked that ridge and I see a a pretty nice uh, peak off to the to the east of me on the east side of the trail so i step off the trail and and just kind of start walking in And i, I kind of gave myself the idea i'm just going to do a little bit of still hunting kind of like i did on saturday where i'll just kind of go so far up this this peak and i'm gonna side hill it around and just see if i you know if i catch anything uh, catch a glimpse of anything well i am i could not even tell you how far off this this trail i am it, it's not far you know maybe a couple hundred feet and I look up and there's a doe and a fawn staring right at me she turns and she books it up the hill even further so I have my sissy stick in my hand I I put that on the ground real quick there's a big pine tree just a little bit ahead of me so I step behind that big pine tree pull my bow out of the out of the sling and I knock an arrow And I just, I'm like, you know, I'm thinking the same thing I thought before. If she just busted up for a little bit and then she's turning to look to see what I'm going to do, this is my opportunity. So I step out to my left, right outside of this pine tree, and there she is. I mean, a perfect lane because there's the pine tree to my right now and another pine tree off to my left. And I've got a perfect lane that she's standing perfectly broadside staring right at me. So I already have my bow up. When I step out, my bow is already up in the position that it will be once I draw. So there's still, you, know, it, you still see the movement, but it's a little less movement. But I go ahead and draw the bow back, and I'm like, okay, she's standing right at me. This girl's going to bust me at any moment, and she's gone and out of my life forever. This is my opportunity. I do not have time to range her. And this is where I'll say I'm not the best at just range estimation. Um, I did some training with it in the army, and I did way, way more training with my brother-in-law because that's a big thing to him. Is um, I don't even know if he takes a rangefinder with him anywhere he goes. Um, he can just tell you ranges, but that's knowing that really, really helps in these situations. So I get my my bow drawn back. I look at her, and I just in my head I say that's thirty yards. So. I put my 30 yard pin right on the breadbasket and I tell myself don't punch it. That's a big problem I've had in the past when I'm shooting a bow is that especially in these high pressure situations, I'll just slap that trigger and everything goes haywire. So I've taught myself like to try in, you know, it's not perfect, but I try in these situations to just tell myself right before then, don't punch it. Just do what you normally do. Let that, that, that t- muscle tension pull that trigger. So that's what I do. I mean, I, I'm drawn back, 30-yard pin right on the breadbasket tension released. And, and, and I'm telling you, it's so hard to describe it. The, the sound that that thing made, it was just a shwack kind of a sound. And she books it. She's gone. Her and that fawn take off for me, I was, I was watching that arrow, I lost it right before, you know, it got to her, but I, to me, I was like, this thing looks really good, but the sound it made, to me, was the sound of, like, you shooting a tree, it was that loud, and that solid, and I was just like, so A part of me was, was, one I, I was my heart was racing my adrenaline is just pumping like I'm going insane right now because I just got to take a shot on a deer like it all came to that moment you know it, if I didn't get a deer, it was because I made a bad shot but I you know there she was after all of this junk, after all the failure like I'm just beyond exciting I, I'm almost yelling. But I've also got a little bit of of anxiety because, again, that sound, it was, I mean, I've killed deer with my bow before, and I've never heard that sound like that. And so I'm like, I'm a little nervous that I'm going to go up and find, you know, either not find my arrow or find my arrow lodged in a tree or just, you know, something bad. So... I, you know, I get myself together, I give it a little bit of time, and then I go and, and try to, you know, go up to where I had shot her, you know, shot at her. Um, and right there, stuck in the ground perfectly, was my arrow. Just buried, in, you know, not really buried in the ground. The head was, you know, the, the broadhead was buried in the ground. The arrow was kind of at a, I don't know, 45 degree angle or whatever, uh, sticking out out. And covered in blood, from from broadhead to knock, just blood all the way down that shaft. The the veins were covered in blood, and I I mean I was I was shouting at that point. I was thank you Lord, thank you Lord. I I knew if if I hit that deer and got that sound and that much blood all over my arrow, she's dead. There's no way she's not dead so at that point I drop the pack I send a text to my buddy and I and I try to send him a picture of the arrow and I'm like I got a deer down um and he texts me back and he's excited he told me later that uh, he I think he said he was in his kitchen and he just yelled as soon as he got that text because um, him and I have been working hard at this and he knows how hard I've been working at this and uh, So give it a little bit more time because I've always, you know, that's one thing I've had to teach myself. Not really teach myself, but allow myself to be taught um, is to give it the time. Let them die because the last thing you want to do is have an animal that's bedded down, dying, bleeding out, and you wind up pushing them and losing them. So I I give it some time. I want to say at least 15, 20 minutes, and I start looking for blood no blood i am walking everywhere i know where i put the that arrow in her i know and obviously i know the trajectory of that arrow because it's it's right there in the ground perfect zero blood i've seen you know good kills with with not a lot of blood but this was zero blood normally i get at least a little blowout from the impact you know when that bullet or that arrow impacts And this was a a through-and-through. So she had two holes in her. She had an entry and an exit. And I look at my broadhead, all three blades. I I shoot mechanicals. I shoot the uh, G5 dead meats, um, which big shout-out to G5. Those things are amazing. Um, But all three blades engaged fully. They're all locked open. So I knew like she had uh, an inch-and-a-half hole, um, at least on the backside but not a drop of blood that I could find. I found two drops of blood directly underneath the arrow that I, I you know were basically from dropping off of the arrow. Other than that, nothing. Now, I think maybe one contributing factor to that is that this place is dry as a bone. I mean, it's sage and dirt and rock. And, and so maybe it's just really hard to see it, but I just I went back and forth all over up and down that area and could not find a single, drop of blood so I know the direction that she took off so I start walking in that area you know in that direction trying to find her and I'm just having no luck whatsoever and I start getting a little bit of a, uh, of a you know down feeling on that but I know that she's got to be dead and I know that she couldn't have gone far because uh, again hitting her like it did Knowing that those all three blades engaged like they did, I I just knew that there was no way she could really have gone that far. So, after going back and forth, no blood, no real trail that I could follow, nothing, I revert to you know my next step where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna hike another 50 yards up this hill and I'm gonna start side-hilling it really, really slow and just glass the whole side of the hill because. Again, if she if she's double-lunged, her heart, if she tries to go up this hill, it, it, I mean, there's no way she's going to make it far. It takes a lot of energy to go up a hill. If anything, she has to be going down. So I'm going to go up the hill. I'm going to go really, really slow as I side hill, and I'm just going to search for her. So I think I, I really walk up maybe 20, 30 yards and start doing it. And I get about... 30 to 40 yards from where I shot her and there she is just all just balled up right there on the side of the hill and I just cannot believe it I I really I mean all of these emotions all of this junk that I've been dealing with, the failure, I mean, the fact that I started this podcast so that I could make people feel good about failing themselves, because I have more stories about failure than anything else, all of that just coming to me as I sit there and stare at this girl that I've, I honestly put an absolutely great shot on, it even split the ribs, I mean, I I didn't even really take out any bone. It was basically right in between ribs, both lungs, turned them into hamburger. She went about 40 yards, and, and exactly what I thought. She turned to go uphill and just trying to do that, just that was it for her. She was balled up. And a big old pool of blood right there where she stayed, but no blood anywhere else. Um, I found out after after getting in her and looking at her, from what it looked like to me, her lungs actually filled the holes. Um, there was lung tissue in the holes where my broadhead had gone through. I've heard about it happening. I've seen it happen, um, but it was it was still pretty cool. Um, and when I wound up gutting her, I mean, yeah, all I could tell at that point, all of the blood was in her chest cavity. Um, so the weird part about that, um so I get her tied up what I like to do is I like to take um, one of the front legs and one of the rear legs you know on the, both on the same side and tie them out like to a tree so that the, their body is splayed open and I don't have to sit there and fight with them rolling around um, just a little trick that I picked up so that's what I do I get her tied up I get my kill kit out fill my tag out um, which just so you know before you do anything with an animal uh, gutting or anything like that. Once you confirm, you know that, that you've just harvested that animal, fill your tag out, get it on that animal. Um, that's what you're required to do. That's what you need to do. So that's what I do. Fill my tag out, get her tied up, and I'm a, you know, get my kill kit out, get my knife, and I'm about to start gutting. And I look to my left, and there are two bucks in a doe, ten yards from me. Staring at me, and these bucks were not bad. Uh, One was a little bit younger. He had a he had a tall rack, um, not really wide, um, but still you know pretty good uh, in velvet. A little doe, and then this really nice, really nice buck. I'd have to look back to see what it was, um, but nice, wide, tall, in velvet, and. I don't regret at all, not even a little bit, um, shooting this doe, but it was just kind of like, of course, you know, I get my animal, I finally, you know, fill a tag and I have the opportunity where I could have actually filled four tags, but it was just kind of a funny ending to it, but it was also extremely awkward because they wouldn't leave. I mean, I was blown at him, grunting at him, doing all sorts of dumb stuff. I'm obviously standing over the, the body of this dead doe. And I couldn't get them to leave. And it was awkward because I'm like, I don't want to start cutting this girl open while your friends are watching. Like, this is just, it was just a very awkward situation to be placed in. Um, but finally, they, uh, they go off and do their own thing and, and it, they didn't really even bust out it wasn't like they got spooked and took off it was just like they finally got bored with me and walked away um so i don't know it was it was an awkward situation but i will say um you'll, you'll hear it in, in another podcast um it had but it, I, apparently it's more common than uh what you might think so anyway so so I get her gutted. Um, I walk back to my truck. This this whole time, I'm trying to, to talk with Kip because I had texted him and uh, my other hunting buddy, Jason, um, for some help because I couldn't, you know, th- I had tried texting him when I couldn't find the blood trail and couldn't find her. So I wanted to get some extra eyes out there because I definitely did not want to lose her. And also, we're getting into the mid part of the day. I'm about to start getting some good heat i do not want to start losing meat um i knew i need to find her quick i need to at a minimum get her gutted and start getting that that uh meat to cool down a bit um so i'm trying to get kip texted jason doesn't respond because um he's up scouting the area that we're going to muzzleload hunt so he has no signal so he doesn't even know that i've got a deer at this point um but i just i can't get any of my messages to send it was it just turned into a mess so i eventually i hike back to my truck grab the truck drive it you know close on the trail drag her down the hill load her up in the truck um and well while i'm back there when i when i hike back to my truck uh, why not meeting a game warden really nice guy um i will tell you this if people have bad stories about game wardens now I will say this not 100% of the time. There are bad game wardens out there because there are bad people in every job. You pick a career field, I promise you somebody has a story about one of them being a complete idiot. Game wardens are no different. Um, I, you know, work in a, a law enforcement environment, but I'll still be the first one to tell you that there are idiots out there in every job field. So... Um, but i will also say this a lot of times when you hear somebody who has a, a a beef with game wardens it's because they've done something stupid and got caught um this guy though really good guy um he was really excited to hear my story of the hunt he you know he, he congratulated me checked my tags um you know even uh helped me um with getting this deer just all around good guy um if i if I could call him out, I don't. He gave me his card, but I, I tell you, if I give him a shout out, I would. Um, but what, whoever it is, you know who you are. Um, is really good talking with you. Either way, um, so wind up getting her loaded up, and at this point, uh, I'm like, I gotta get her home. You know, I was gonna wait for Kip, and it, it just, I was like, I, I'm not gonna lose any meat on this girl. It's getting hot. I haven't skinned her yet because I'm just going to take her home whole, hang her in the garage because the really cool thing was that night a cold front was moving in and we were going to get snow. So we were getting below freezing that night. So I'm like, if I get her hung and skinned today, I can leave her overnight and let her um, let her age a little bit and set up a little bit and then I can, I can uh, butcher her the next day um so i just made the decision i try to text kip and i'm like hey like i'm gonna just go to the house meet me at the house because he's never at this point kip has never um been a, a part of this process so he's never gutted a deer never gutted an animal um never butchered skinned anything like that so you know as much as he can be i'd like for him to be a part of it um so i wind up taking off and i'm heading out well i i don't get more than a quarter of a mile away from the trailhead and here i see his truck bailing down the road i'm like ah, oh, crap <laughs> so i wind up flagging him down and, and i apologize like, hey like i'm trying i was trying to let you know I, you know i'm sorry but she's already off the mountain she's in my truck um but he wasn't upset he you know he's again just excited for me uh that i got one you know uh, we're, we're in this whole thing together we've been planning all this stuff together so you know it's a success for us that we've got this animal now so i just tell him hey why don't you follow me back to the house you can help me get her hung and let's get her skin i want to get the skin off her so she can really start cooling down here soon so follows me back to the house um and you know i I tell you it's just so much pride um my my kids they know that i'm you know been working hard at this hunting thing and to be able to bring this meat home to be able to to show them that i am actually capable of success um it was a big deal to me um and my, and my wife was, was really happy too because um, she knows you know all the stuff i've been dealing with you know she takes the the brunt of all of this when i'm throwing fits and everything so i know that she was happy and uh so we get her hung um kip and his son helped me get her skin which was really cool his son got to see that too wind up giving him I don't, no I don't give him the tongue I, it, it, I'm hard pressed to give people my, the, the tongue I, it's one of my favorites uh, but I try to give him the heart he doesn't want the heart but uh, I give him tenderloin I said you're going to take tenderloin tenderloin is actually not my favorite you might think I'm a crazy backstrap is my favorite if you tell me I can have tenderloins or backstrap I'm taking backstrap every day I just I like the texture of that meat better than I do the tenderloins call me crazy i don't care um but so we got her hung up we got her skinned that cold front comes through at the exact perfect time sets up really nice and i get her butchered the next day um at that point jason um he knows you know he's he's coming back in from his scouting trip and so he finds out about it he comes congratulates me and he actually helps me butcher up um we cook up some of the backstrap steaks and good lord were they good um they they were just i you know i did a little bit to prep them but mainly it was just on the pellet grill with that meat they were it was delicious um so him and i got to chat on that and and again he's a really big help um and he's a great guy to be around when you are successful because um he loves seeing other hunters succeed you know i know he hunts hard um you'll hear about that in future podcasts he is crazy when it comes to hunting he he can put the miles on um so he's a really hard hunter he and and he's dedicated but you you want to see somebody get excited about somebody else uh, being successful in harvesting an animal that that guy is he's great um can't say enough, but anyway, um, so I wound up getting 50 pounds of meat out of her. Um, a lot of good cuts, some good burger, and uh, i and it just is completely revitalizing. Re- revitalizing, I think that's the word. And uh, it just it reminds me why I wanted to do this, why I want to hunt, why I put all the time and effort and all the frustration into it it's just an amazing feeling and i've got meat in the freezer that's a huge deal to me um you know less that i have to spend on on meat in the grocery store is always welcome for me um but yeah so that that is the opening hunt of my season of 2020 of 2020 which has been an absolutely psychotic year full of more ridiculousness than I could ever think of um, but coming into my hunting season starting out with my first tag being filled the first tag that I can use is the first tag that gets filled so just beyond beyond ecstatic uh, about that um, but it doesn't mean that I didn't take away some things it doesn't mean that I didn't learn some things um, I learned a ton i learned an absolute ton because there was a lot of things that went wrong before the one amazing thing that went right but uh, i'm gonna do things a little differently i'm not going to go into what went wrong and then what did we learn i'm just gonna go and what did i learn what did i take away from this hunt because it was a quick turnaround um you know i harvested that girl on the 7th i left for my muzzle hunt on the 14th so I had a real quick turnaround. I had a week off before I was back in the woods with a muzzle muzzleloader, um, which we'll go into next week. But uh, first, why don't we just get into the takeaways of this hunt. So I know this is a longer one, but I, one, I like telling stories. And two, you know, again... You've heard some stories of my failures, of the stupidity, of the junk that I've done, especially here in Colorado. I mean, I've had nothing but failure in Colorado the years that I've been here thus far. So, you know, this was a big moment for me. I hope that it was at least enjoyable enough for you to stick around through it. But, again, I know it's a little long-winded, so I'm not going to go crazy um, with this lessons learned thing. But I'm going to get into it because I know it's important. Cause we we definitely need to always look back you always need to kind of evaluate everything um, so that you can continue to grow not to be too deep or anything but I mean learning is how you do things better <laughs> so the first thing uh, is equipment taking care of your equipment understanding that your your weapon is the key to the entire hunt um, You know, there's some things that you can live without. If I if I rip my pants, I could throw a little duct tape on them, and and I'll probably be okay. In fact, I did rip my pants at one point. Um, Not on this hunt, on the other hunt, but you know, there's you can have some equipment malfunctions, and and everything be okay still, and still have a successful hunt. But your your weapon, your firearm, your bow, whatever it winds up being, if you have a malfunction on that, that can be a hunt ending thing um, depending on what it is you know uh, I was talking Jason was telling us on this last on this muzzleloader hunt that he had talked to a guy who had bear hunted last year and shot at five bears and missed every one of them and it wasn't uh, it wasn't until that fifth bear that he missed that he thought back to a digger that he had taken he, he you know I guess done pulled something i had done and fallen down the side of a mountain and didn't reconfirm the zero on his scope and come to find out his scope was knocked way off and he it cost him five bear well i mean obviously only had one tag but i mean the fact that the guy had five shots on bears that's ridiculous and that you know because of that equipment malfunction he went home without any bear meat um so really taking care of your gear really Doing your absolute best to protect it. Um, you know. Luckily th- that issue that I had with my bow wasn't completely catastrophic. It could have been. It could have been a huge mess. But luckily. It was something that I could fix. And get myself back out there for that last day. And wind up being successful. So. So. But you really you've just got to take care of, of your gear because that's what's gonna help you be successful. Um. Here's the biggest thing. Now I'm I'm kind of sort of quoting Steve Rennell on this. He actually talks about it on uh, on one of his new episodes of Meat Eater that just came out, and it talks about. He says, um, allow yourself to think pessimistic. Do not allow yourself to act pessimistic. Pessimistic. Um, and the way I kind of, you know, the way I worded is, don't let your negative thoughts create negative actions. Get frustrated, that's fine. Question yourself, that's fine. That, that keeps leading you to finding better answers. That is that's perfectly fine. Everybody's going to have negative thoughts that come through, but don't let those negative thoughts turn into negative actions. Don't let that push you to quit change the action and change the result so if something isn't working don't just quit and walk away from it change something about it change your approach change your location do something but keep pushing and, and until you get that different result don't quit I quit in the past if you've if you've listened to these other episodes when I went with my brother we left a couple of days early. When I went with Kip last year, we left, you know, what it was, a day and a half early, whatever it was. I've, you know, on these big hunts that I've done, I wind up not finishing it. This one, you know, say what you will, I was at the point of wanting to quit. But the whole reason I came back on Sunday was because of that equipment malfunction. And I just decided I needed to take that day to regroup. Um, But I... I didn't allow myself to, to lose that last day of the hunt. Had I lost that, had I just said, you know what, I'm done, I've, I've done all of that I can and nothing's going to work, then I would have missed that doe. I would have I missed seeing that first doe, which was awesome. I would have missed harvesting that second doe, which was great. And I would have missed watching her weird friends 10 yards away from me watch me try to gut her like a bunch of weirdos all of that would have been gone because I just decided not to keep pushing so don't quit if you set the goal that you're going to hunt hunt. it might not go the way you want it to but it's definitely not going to go the way you want it to if you don't actually get out there and do it and that was one thing when I was kind of getting down I had texted the guys you know the guys that I hunt with Kip and Jason and one thing Kip texted back to me is like you're not ever going to get a deer if you're not out there with them deer don't walk into your front kitchen and lay down you got to go get him. And that really kind of stuck with me. I mean, at the time, I was kind of not happy to hear it because I knew he was right, but I, I just, at that point, I, I was so frustrated. But it, it's 100% right. You can't get him if you're not with him. So really, really push, push through it. Allow those negative thoughts to creep in. Allow yourself to question things and to try to evolve your hunt and and to try to make everything, you know, try to figure out where you're doing things wrong. But don't allow, your, allow those negative thoughts to convince you that it's just not worth being out there. At the end of the day, you're in nature. You are seeing areas that a lot of people will never see. So just allow yourself to continue pushing forward. Um, the other one, the other really, really big thing that I've had to, to learn on this is to be flexible. Allow your hunt to evolve. I had a plan that was months in the making that I changed 24 hours before I even went on that hunt. And then while in that hunt, I had to be flexible and change. Don't let your thoughts of what you're supposed to do prevent you from doing what is best to do. For me it was hard to say I'm just going to make these day hunts that I'm just going to go out first thing in the morning hunt all day and then come home and sleep at night. Uh, you know, part of me felt like well you're just, you know, being a sissy and you should be out there, you know, backpacking and, and 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 hunting all, you know, hunting all day and camping at night. Because that's what the plan was. Well, the plan evolved. For better or for worse, allow your plans to evolve. Don't get caught up in the action. Get caught up in the result. So don't make decisions because you think, well, you know, I I bought this tent, so I, I should be camping right now. Well, no, what you should be doing is hunting. What is the ultimate goal? That's. I think that's a problem sometimes we get into. I've definitely gotten into it. it the process sometimes outweighs the the goal for me and a lot of times focusing on that process can ruin the goal maybe you feel like you know and we're definitely going to get into this a lot deeper on on the muzzleloader hunt that we'll talk about later but it's always been beaten to my head you got to get off the trails you've got to get away from people that's where the animals are you got to do that put the miles in you've got to put the miles in you've got to put the miles on your boots guys who who put less than a mile on their boots every day are going to be far less successful than the guys who put 6 to 10 miles on their boots that's that's just been the the overwhelming uh thing notion in my head is that that's what you got to do and it's not always true does it does it work sometimes yes absolutely A lot of times you need to get away from other people because that's where the pressure is. If there's 15 people in one area, it's probably better for you to be in a different area. But don't let the process outweigh the goal. What is the goal? My goal is to harvest an animal. My goal for this archery hunt was to harvest a deer. That's the goal. How I get there, as long as it's legal and ethical, I don't care. If I had only walked 50 feet on the day one, and shot a deer, I would not have been upset with myself because the goal was to harvest an animal. If you harvested an animal, however much effort you put into it, you put the right effort into it, right? Because you had that animal. So don't sit there and feel like, oh, I have to have the best camo. I have to have the best pack. I have to have the best everything. Good gear will help you stay out longer, get further, But I'll be 100% honest with you, I was in my pants and a gray t-shirt when I shot that deer. So just focus on the goal. What am I trying to accomplish and what is the best way for this scenario to get through it? Don't let anything else stand in the way. Just do what you feel like or are learning or know to be the best for that situation to put yourself in the best position to harvest that animal. Understand. Are you hiking, camping, hunting, exercising, what are you doing? If somebody's walking next to you and they're like, "Hey man, like you're not going to get deer unless you got 12 miles under your boots." Well, you're just telling me you want to exercise. So if you want to go out there and exercise, great. Go put those miles on your boots. If you're going to sit there and say you ain't going to get a deer unless you're camping, well no, what you're telling me is that you want to camp. So if that's your focus. If you want to put your focus into camping, great. Have fun camping. I'm going to put my focus on the deer. I need a deer. That's what I want to harvest. That's what I'm going to do to do to, to get to that goal. I'm going to do whatever actions get me to that goal. If I if that means that I walk 100 miles, great. If that means I walk a half a mile, great. If that means I have to camp out for 3 weeks, great. If that means that I go home every single night, great. I don't care. The process doesn't that you don't get caught in the process get caught in the goal what do i need to do to get this deer or this elk or whatever anyway i will say those are those were the two biggest things i mean the equipment thing yes always take care of your equipment always monitor your equipment the last thing you want to do is to go and put a shot on an animal and something's jacked up because you weren't paying attention take care of that equipment But the two things, the two biggest things is don't let your negative thoughts turn into negative actions. And focus on the hunt. Do not focus on the process. I don't care what you have to do. The goal just needs to be to get that animal. Okay? So, with that said, next week we are going into the muzzler hunt. Because at this point, I have actually... I am two out of three hunts done. Um, I got a an archery deer tag. I got a muzzleloader deer tag. And then come December, I've got an elk tag uh, for late rifle. Um, I am going antelope hunting uh, here in a week. A week from today, actually. Um, but it's not my tag. It's Kip's tag. I'm just tagging along. <laughs> um, oh, and I guess your factoid of the day... Thanks to Kip, who will not let this go. Uh, pronghorn uh, are not actually considered antelope. They are closely, more closely related to giraffes. So if you ask him what he's doing next week, he is going giraffe hunting. It's the most annoying thing on this planet, but whatever. Anyway, so yes, next week... Um, we will get into the muzzleloader hunt. That was a longer hunt. Um, I wound up spending five days out, um, out in the mountains. It was a good time. It was a horrible time. It was every feeling that I've ever felt in my entire life. But uh, we're definitely going to get into that one. Probably going to be another long one. So just you know, buckle in. It's going to be a good ride, though. Um, the last thing I want to go into, I am going to do, I, I, I'm i going to try to do, we're going to see how many people I can get to do this, um, but I'll be honest with you, I will do this if only one person wants it, because the ultimate goal of this is to create new hunters, people who might want to get into this sport, but there's a lot of intimidation factor, there's, there's just a lot of things when you start looking at trying to get into this that can really make you second-guess it or just make it feel like it's too daunting of a task to to try to take on so i am going to start the amateur hunter workshop this is actually going to start january of 2021 Um, and this whole thing is is actually going to be a series of workshops one every month starting in january and it's going to walk you through the entire process of basically getting to your first hunt um it's we're gonna go over the of how the tags work in Colorado um we're gonna go into how to apply for your tags what tags should you apply for how to plan for your hunt how to get your body prepared how to get your mind prepared how to get gear prepared how to to spread out your budget for gear I'm not gonna do a budgeting class but you know all of these different things um you know firearm selection ammo selection i mean we're going to really try to to break everything down simplify it and and take this this overwhelming task that it looks like it would be getting started in hunting break it down into small pieces so that by september you are ready to go on your hunt um so that's what we're going to do i'm going to start announcing it now because it's already October, which means we've got three months until January. Uh, so I really want to start getting the word out there and let anybody know. Anybody who's even interested, this is a free workshop. This is not you know, a bunch of professional hunters coming in there talking about all the amazingness that they are and how great they are and how whatever. This is the amateur hunter myself, somebody who is barely starting to get a clue and you know other hunters coming together to try to to bring new people into this sport i don't care if it's children if it's men women i don't care if you've ever had the inclination to hunt and you just want to find out more about it this is a great way to do it this is a very low pressure no cost to you so you're not having to invest anything but just one day one day of your time and, if you're, and I promise you, you'll, you'll see that we can break this down and, and really make it to where hunting can be an enjoyable, um, not maybe easy, but at least doable um, thing that you can get yourself into and, and not break the bank doing so. So I'm really excited about it. I, I really hope there's some people who, who want to do this. There will be a lot more details to come. I just want to start putting this out there now um, so that maybe some people can start getting it into their head. Maybe talk to, you know, some of your friends or whatever that might be interested. Um, so that, you know, you can kind of come and see what this whole world is about and and what it is to get into it. Anyway, I have taken enough of your time. I do hope you have enjoyed this episode though. I certainly enjoyed this hunt. I can't tell you how ecstatic I am to have that meat sitting in my freezer right now. We've already eaten some of the burger. I've had steaks. Um, so it's, it's just been great. And I've got another great hunt to talk about um, coming up next week with the muzzle loaders. So please come back and join me. I still, even with a mule deer under my belt, am very much the amateur hunter